Welcome to The Prevention Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about violence prevention work. The topics discussed in this podcast, including healthy relationships, prevention practices, and dating or sexual violence can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Prevention Perspective. My name is Tracy. I'm the Prevention Program Manager at the WCA, and I am so grateful to have my colleague and co-conspirator in the studio with us today, um, Becca McGuire. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me, Tracy. Yeah. So glad you're here. Yes, me too. Um, So Becca, you are the Outreach Specialist at the WCA. Can you tell me a little bit about your role? Yes. So I am the outreach specialist, like Tracy said. Um, I've been in my role for a little less than a year, but I just help anything outreach-wise. So I help educate the community. I raise awareness. um, I put together materials. I do social media, anything that I can do to kind of get the word out about WCA and um, just educate. Before you were hired as an employee of the WCA, you were a volunteer, right? I was. Why was it important to you to volunteer for the WCA? So, I mean, everyone in this work has a why. Um, My why is I just, I watched the hunting ground and Mm. was so affected, like how could this happen? What can I do? That I immediately got involved. anything that I could do to let people know that there was resources or anything that I could do to help someone. And I've always been that way. I've always cared about specific issues. Um, But I knew that this was a good place for me to be because I was passionate about it. And then as I went on with volunteering, the amount of people that domestic abuse sexual violence, mm. how many people have been impacted. It's like, I need to, can, I need to keep doing this. Like I yeah. need to keep volunteering. So just knowing the, all of that, yeah. just, I, it kept me going. And it got you to a point where you yeah. wanted to work here. Yes. Which we're so grateful yeah. for. Um, yeah. I think that's really interesting though. And it, probably a lot of people in this field have very similar things like, Maybe they started as a volunteer or started, you know, working in this um, type of agency. And then all these people in their lives start disclosing or just like randomly bringing up like, oh, yeah, this thing happened to me. And it's it's so it's so hard to hear that from people that like you care about and that you didn't know that that was an experience they've had. Um, but it's also so cool. I think that they feel like they can disclose that and, um, that you're that safe and supportive person for them to share that with. Um, 
yeah, I think a lot of people in this, in this field have had that experience or a very similar, um, type of experience. So, so what would you say is the purpose of outreach? So I think that the purpose of outreach is a lot of it is to raise awareness on a specific issue. So that could be educating people. It could be um, involving any social media. I think that just a lot of it has to do with bringing attention to a specific topic and kind of navigating different avenues to the public or whatever community you're in. Sure. So do you only do outreach about like domestic violence or... No, so we um, we do focus a lot on domestic violence, um, but we also focus a lot on sexual violence and sexual assault. Gotcha. So obviously this has been an interesting year in terms of doing outreach with the community, um, but what sorts of things does the outreach program do typically? So, <laughs> yeah, typically. <laughs> so if we weren't in a pandemic, um, we would be out in the community a lot more. So one of my favorite things to do is to table, which sounds really weird. Like, <laughs> oh, a lot of people just don't like to talk to random strangers that come up to you. But I really like it. Um, so we would do, be doing a lot of um, tabling, going out to different community events, um, actually going into businesses and even putting on our different presentations. We've totally had to switch to virtual, which has been interesting. Um, we definitely would be more out in outside, outside in the community instead of just being virtual. Do you feel like the um, kind of limitations of virtual outreach um, have impacted your ability to get information into the community? It's... Yes Sorry, and no. <laughs> well, no, I'm like it, it being virtual has totally helped us, but then it's totally hindered us. So presenting virtually over Zoom, over Google Meet, anything like that is a little challenging. I like to be able to like gauge emotions and feelings and so that's not my favorite aspect, but I do think that what we've done social media wise and not all the time like different outreach programs. They're not super involved in social media. I am. But I think that switching virtually and all of the different campaigns we've put on, I think that we've totally used this virtual stay-at-home or whatever you want to call what we're in right now. <laughs> um, I think it's totally – we've gotten our name out more than we ever could have imagined because we had to. Sure. We had to let people know that we are here. If you need help, if you're not safe, call us. Yeah. Like we are here for you. And we had to switch. We I mean, we do Facebook Lives. Like we do that every Monday. <laughs> and we used to do it every Wednesday, but um those are the things that we had to do to to just adapt. Right. And that's the way that so many people were getting information through all of this, especially when there was a hard you know, hard lockdowns in place, you know, people aren't going places, they aren't doing the same things that they used to. And so a lot of times the only way they are getting information is through social media um, or through those other types of channels. So I think, uh, I think you and the whole team have done a really, really great job about keeping that awareness up, keeping people informed about what's going on at the WCA and that this is still an issue. And if anything, it's maybe more of an issue um, because of everything that's happening. Um, and so I just, I think you've done a really great job with that. So what do you think makes an outreach program successful? 
Oof. A lot. There's a lot of different aspects that go into a successful outreach program. I think one of the things, especially for me personally, is you have to be passionate about whatever you are talking about or whatever you are trying to to do, I guess. So I think passion is a big one, but I also think that you have to have like a good support team. So like volunteers, you have to have a good plan. And I think... Um, Planning is huge for outreach as well. Um, So collaborating with different people. I mean, I work obviously with you. We're on the same team, but I philanthropy and even like program staff. And as soon as I started to get a little bit more involved with program staff, I started to understand my role a little bit better and it kind of motivated me. So um, just really involvement with all different aspects and getting that really good plan that you can move forward to educate, raise awareness, do anything that you can. Sure. Uh, We're going to take a little break and then we will be back talking with Becca about some of the differences and similarities between outreach and prevention. Uh, Coming right next on Prevention Perspective. Is there a program, practice, or issue you'd like us to cover on this podcast? Do you want to share about the prevention work that you've been doing? We're always looking for feedback, ideas, and suggestions to make this podcast relevant and helpful for our listeners. Contact us via email at prevention at wcaboise.org. All right, we're back on Prevention Perspective here with Becca, the outreach specialist at the WCA. And again, Becca and I work on the same team, um, and a lot of our goals are the same or similar, but there are some differences between outreach and prevention. And Becca, I'm curious to know, to know what you think, what, what are the differences, or why would a program want or need to have both of those things? So I think that if you have an outreach program, I think you need to have a prevention program. Um, I think prevention kind of dives a little bit deeper. And also just from what we do at the WCA, I don't, I know that I could not do prevention work on top of the outreach work that I'm doing, um, especially with what you are accomplishing with the prevention program. So I think that outreach is kind of like the umbrella of this is what we're raising awareness of and this is how we are bringing attention to whatever. But prevention is going a little bit deeper to um, kind of change attitudes and beliefs. Um, I think outreach is kind of the first step and then prevention is the second step. Yeah, and that's actually kind of how our program developed and formed. Like when I first started at the WCA four years ago, prevention was not a thing. We didn't have a prevention program. And I was a part of the outreach department, um, outreach team. And yeah, there was this idea about like, okay, we need to make people aware that this is happening, right? Because there are still plenty of folks in our community, unfortunately, that don't think that this happens here, or that don't think, you know, there's a problem, um, or that domestic and sexual violence aren't happening. Um, And so there was that, yeah, piece around, well, we need to let people know that this is actually happening and that the WCA is also here to provide resources to anybody who needs that. But then there was this bigger question around, like, why does this happen in our community? And that's really, I think, where the 
the kind of separation between outreach and prevention kind of starts is that, yeah, you can make people aware that this is going on, but then to change it, you actually, you have to get to the root. You have to get to that why. And that's, I think, where prevention comes in. And and you're right, like doing both of those things would be impossible. It's hard. Um, it's incredibly difficult and time-consuming to be out in the community doing all the things that we, again, typically do in a typical year or t- typical time. Um, but to be able to do prevention on top of that, which, again, it takes a lot of time. Um, and I think that's something we've learned with the prevention program that we've been developing is that, you know, violence happens because of people's beliefs, because of their value systems. And that takes a lot of time <laughs> to change. I mean, you're not just going to go in and talk to a group of people once for 45 minutes and be able to change that internalized value system that they have. And, um, yeah, I think it's just going to that next step, that deeper dive into, okay, yeah, this is happening, but how can we stop it or how can we prevent it from happening? Um, so why do you think, again, if an agency or an organization is maybe the place where we were, you know, four, three, four years ago, where they like had maybe a successful outreach program, they're out in the community getting the word out, Um but wanting to go to that next step, what do you think um, is important for them to know or important for them to keep in mind if they're trying to get to that point of like a, a diver- diversion of outreach into prevention? I think, first of all, take your time. Like, obviously, the years that it's been since we've had, like, I how long? Three years? Since ish, I would say, yeah. yeah, I became prevention program manager in 2019. So I would say that that to me is kind of like the the time markation of mm-hmm. when the prevention program actually became its own thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it took it took two full years. Yeah, I think that you definitely need to take your time with developing the direction that you want to go. And I think that you also need to figure out like your target audience. Mm -hmm. Who do you think that this is going to impact the most? And I think that we've done a really good job, especially you have really found a niche with youth and being able to like go into schools or even talk to parents kind of like, Hey, this is what's going on in your teen's life. This is how you should be talking to your teen. I think that you've done just a really good job of developing your your audience. Oh, and well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I love our prevention program and our youth reps. I, I just, I'm, I'm so impressed. I always tell Tracy, I was like, I was so unevolved I when was, I was in high school. Yeah, slacking. <laughs> yeah, compared to our <laughs> youth reps. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so much of the work I feel like that we do in the prevention program is reliant on relationships and the connections that we have um, in certain, like you said, like niches. I I know many, many, many people in schools and things like that. Um, How do you think that shows up in your work doing outreach? So I definitely think that we have specific businesses or groups or even people that really 
want to get involved with outreach mm. or with whatever the WCA is doing. And so we work with them all the time. Um, they want us to come in and present um, or even just shoe cards, anything like material wise. Mm-hmm. We just have like a good core group of people who want to make a difference um, and they will do whatever, but just getting engaged with them. And I mean, our outreach volunteers are phenomenal. Um, I worked with two of them earlier today and I'm just really excited to see what they want to do and how they want to help in any way possible um, relationship wise and engaging the community. Cause they're also passionate about this. And I mm-hmm. think that passion truly drives our work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what sorts of things do outreach volunteers usually do? Oh man. So they table, that's one. Also, we use table as a verb in this line of work. Yes. <laughs> I should go into detail a little bit on what tabling is. Um, so yes, we are at a table, um, but we will go to different community events. Like, I mean, it was denim day last week mm-hmm. and one of my first times volunteering was at a denim day tabling event. So you sit around, engage with the community. Um, we have lots of different swag items, anything that we can ha- like physically take and give to someone <laughs> so they can take it. So they can, if they need it, they have that information. So anything like that. But we go to all different types of different places. We go to resource fairs, which we haven't. I haven't yeah. been able to Been yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, just sitting, engaging with the community in public places. That's what tabling <laughs> is. Um, but to become an outreach volunteer, you have to go through some specific training. So we aren't going to take someone and throw them into a situation where they're not prepared for. So outreach volunteers really do have to have a a unique understanding of domestic abuse, of sexual assault um, to do the work that they do. So they will table. um, And also we are working right now towards having them help me facilitate an a virtual in her shoes, which today they're really excited about trying to do it in person, which I love. Um, but anything that they can do that just lets people know what the WCA is, what we're doing, we're here. Um, they're just really good about spreading the word. That's great. Shout out to Ann Lewis, OG, average volunteer. Yeah. She's been here for like 10 plus years. Yes, I love Ann. Um, um, anything else you want to share with us? It looks like we're about to our time for the day. Well, there is another podcast. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. So Chris Davis, our communications manager, and Corey Michaels from um, Auction Frogs and myself, yeah. we all kind of co-host the What Compassion Accomplishes podcast, which is um, on our website. And then also we're trying to get it on all different platforms right now check it out um that's just another thing that we do outreach wise right what do we not do we've been getting very creative with that stuff we really um, have over this last year but that's where this podcast ended up starting from too yeah was because of uh covid so some silver linings that came out of it yeah well if you need anything um outreach wise materials etc um you can get a hold of becca and We are just so grateful for the work that she does and um, making sure that our community knows uh, about the WCA and what we can do and how we can help. Um, Just really grateful to have you on. So thanks so much, Becca. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Prevention Perspective. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Or you can call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025. Don't forget to follow us on social media at WCA underscore Boise and WCA Youth Reps. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover or get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, contact us through the email provided in the description of the podcast. I hope that it will help you to do a better job.